ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in, because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. everybody I want to welcome you to our live broadcast today it's a real honor to bring to you Apostle Henry Groover the prayer walker and uh, brother Henry is a man of his word he is one of the busiest men I know uh, teaching traveling the world yet he makes time for us here on Omega Man Radio and I'm appreciative of that he said he would call me he did and uh, I said thank you Jesus because I know that it won't be long before you head back over to Asia again and it may be many more months before we communicate, but I praise God that uh, he opened up this door today. And Brother Groover, welcome back. How have you been since last time? Thank you, Brother. Well, oops, sorry. There, is that better? That's perfect. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Brother. I uh, I can't complain. I, I'm doing much better than uh, than I should, I think. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Would you oh, like boy. would you like to open it up in prayer today? Yes, okay. Hallelujah. Well, there we go. I guess we'll we'll go with this one. Are you there? Yes, sir. Oh, That's all right. There we go. <laughs> I came downstairs to the other phone thinking it would do better, but it squeals up a storm. Okay. Well, Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be on the air here. We want to thank you for your faithfulness to us and for your love. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in control. And uh, our lives are in your hands, and that's the beauty of it. Praise you for that. And, Lord Jesus, we just commit this time to you. We commit this uh, program to you. We commit our lives to you and the care of our lives into your hands. And we want to thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and for your love. We want to praise you for the the way that you have kept us since I was on last time. I thank you for that, Lord. And uh, we commit this time to you with praise and with thanksgiving in our hearts. 
And Lord Jesus, I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your counsel. I ask for your guidance. I ask for your direction. For Lord, we know in this day and in this hour, we're living in an interesting time, a time that we've never faced before and very possibly may never face again. But Lord Jesus, we want to commit this time to you and we want to praise you for it. And I just claimed the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ over each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord, that your protection will be over the air and over what we say and how we handle each and every subject. Lord, that in everything that is said and done, that you will be glorified, that your name will be lifted up, that your name will be exalted. Not mine, not this program's, but your name, Lord, that we might exalt you because, Lord, you're the only one worthy to be exalted, the only one worthy to be truly worth, just worshipped and praised. And we love you more every day, and we praise you for your faith. Now have your way, we pray, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Again, Brother Henry, welcome back to the broadcast tonight. And um, at this time, the microphone is yours. (laughs) Oh, my. I think we've got a lot of thunderstorm activity between us here. We do. I'm getting a little bit of uh, static. Do you want to go back to that first phone? Yeah. Why don't we try that? A little bit going on here, but uh, we're going to overcome. Okay. We're not ready to give it up, are we? No, sir. We don't. We don't quit. That's right. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, it has been. How long has it been since I've talked to you all? It's been a. It's probably been, been since a fair uh, of time, hasn't it? Probably about nine or ten months. Probably almost a year, isn't it? Yes, sir. I about- think it has been. Well, my goodness, Brother Davis, look at what has happened in one year. Look at what has taken place. It's unbelievable, isn't it? The things that we have delved into, the things that our nation's going into, and what all's taking place. I, I have been just so aware and so very, very conscious of, uh, of what's going on in this world, and I'm watching the signs of the times of it. And I tell you, brother, it uh, the signs are upon us. And, uh, you know, many of the things that we have looked for and we have uh, talked about being so future are right on top of us, aren't they? And uh, I, I've been looking over and just praying what to, what to talk about today. There is so much that needs to be said, but uh, I think about the our Lord clearly expressing his, his message to the seven churches of Asia in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And uh, I think about the fifth church, the church of Sardis in chapter 3. This message clearly shows that that there can be a great danger in believing we're alive in the Spirit 
but were found by God to be dead, were admonished to be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Isn't that an interesting expression? Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. You know, in Isaiah, it, it, it talks about in the prophecies of the end days, marriage shall cease. And uh, seven women will take hold of one man and say, uh, we'll buy you the clothing and food, we'll take care of you, just give us your name. What is going on with marriage right now, you know? We've got so many things attacking marriage right now, it's unbelievable. And uh, that that which remains, the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your work perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. You know, I was, I was reading when Jesus came down from the wilderness. He came down to Galilee, and like John the Baptist, his first words along there, it says, in Galilee of the Gentiles. It's interesting that it says, in Galilee of the Gentiles. His first words were repent. And now here to this fifth church of Sardis, hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, I will come on you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. Brother Davis, have you ever heard so many prophecies being given about the coming of the Lord as you have been hearing in this last two, three years? Are you think about that? Are you there? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Have I lost you? No, sir. Brother Henry? Okay. Henry, uh, let's yes. do this. You can hear me now, correct? Sound check? Yeah, I can hear okay. you now. Praise okay. the Lord. Okay, I'm sorry. No, to, um, to answer your question, uh, you're exactly right. We're hearing a lot of those reports right now. It It is just unbelievable how many are coming in. And uh, last year we had... Uh, at this same time, we had uh, two people prophesying, one on October the 10th, the other, I think it's September 29th, that the Lord was returning. And, uh, you know, I, I have to, every year, it seems like about September, I have to go back and remind people. Now, I know a few years ago, about five years ago, we had the man that May the 21st, Jesus was returning, and he put it in major newspapers all around the world. I had... I had the number one newspaper from uh, Tokyo, Japan, from Seoul, Korea, from Taipei, Taiwan, and Singapore. I had newspapers from every one of those, half pages of the front page. Can you imagine the money he put out to announce that the Lord was coming May the 21st that year. Now, this man owned Christian radio stations all across America, and uh, that was predicting this. You know, and the thing that amazes me is how he predicted this, and he shut down many, many prophecy teachers from his radio stations and all, and then he comes up with a prophecy that he himself fails in. To me, it is, it is so, so exemplary of, of people that go about to judge and shut down the Lord in what he's saying. And then the Lord allows them to be set up 
to to falter in the very thing that they have judged others. And that is so true about the day that we're living in. We have to use such wisdom in the area of our our decision-making, our choices, and our judging. And uh, we have to, as Paul said, he says, I, I judge no man, but he says, I judge all things myself. He judges them for himself to keep himself. And I think that's what this is saying here in Revelation 3 with the church of Sardis, to hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, I will come as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come up on you. That's Revelation 3, 2 and 3. And uh, I think about this, and I'm thinking about it more and more as people are catching this thought that the second coming of the Lord is so soon, it's upon us. And uh, then they, they, they get so caught up in it, and then they make a prediction of a day that the Lord is returning. And we know very clearly in Matthew 24 and 25 that people... If you will just read the whole chapters of Matthew 24 and 25, when you hear people making these kind of predictions, read the whole chapters, Matthew 24 and 25, and I tell you what, it'll be, it'll be, those two chapters will be like an erasure on a green board, the old chalkboard. It will erase the validity of what they're saying right off of your spirit and your mind, and you will have understanding. Because I tell you, that's what I believe this is meaning when it says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And then, of course, we know the seventh church is the Laodicean church. And the danger of that church is, is that they sit as a queen and they're increased with goods and have need of nothing. And the Lord says, don't you know that you're naked, wretched, miserable, and blind? Oh, my, my. I don't want to be naked. I don't want to be wretched. I don't want to be miserable. And I don't want to be blind in this day. Because I believe with all of my heart, I've said to people for many years now, if I had my choice in what day and hour to live, even if it included walking with Jesus as one of his disciples when he walked the earth himself, I would still choose this generation. I would still choose it with all of my heart. I have not changed in that desire. I have not changed in that confession whatsoever because it's the absolute truth in my heart. I am excited about the generation we're living in. I know it is a very testing, very trying. My phone is ringing all the time with precious saints that are coming down with cancer and all manner of sicknesses, and the fiery trials have begun. They have begun, no question about it. And two things are taking place, the fiery trials with the saints. For the Lord says, those whom I love, I rebuke. And I chastise and I purge that you may bring forth more fruit. And, and that's another way of his saying that here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Is, is another way of his saying, I will come to you as a thief. What hour I come upon you, you will not even know when it will happen, but you will know when I come. And, and 
when the Lord comes, he will come to take something away from us. He says a thief. That means to come as a thief. And God is going to come upon his people in this, this hour and this day. He's going to come. You may think he's a thief. You think you're losing tremendously. But I want to tell you, all he wants to take away is everything that you have of your own self-sufficiency. Everything that you depend on other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I really want to remind you people today of, uh, of the words that uh, a precious man of God that, that lived and, and believed God and uh, uh, trusted the Lord with all of his heart. And that was George Mueller. I love George Mueller. I love his uh, uh, I love his writings. I love the testimonies of the man. And uh, he says here one of his words that he said in 1898. He said, "Remember that it is the very time for faith when sight ceases ceases." Now think about that. Remember that it is the very time for faith when sight ceases. And that goes along with his words that uh, uh, a young minister interviewed him there before he passed away. And uh, just a matter of a few months before he passed away. And he asked George Mueller, he said, you were to leave a message to the future believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What would the words be? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, seek to put your trust in the Lord entirely for everything. When undertaking a new endeavor, ask, is this the will of God? Is this for your glory, Lord? And he says, if it is not for God's glory, then it is not for your good. And you must always mind that. Now think about that. And then he said, when you have established, it is for God's, it's his favor, it's his will, it's for his glory. Begin it by faith and continue, never stopping, no matter how difficult it becomes, never stop. But keep your faith in him and your eyes on him, because when sight fails, faith must begin. When you cannot see the way through, that is faith. And one of the things that I have been emphasizing uh, since I've talked to you, brother, I've, I've worked eight foreign countries now. Wow. And uh, I have been gone 11 months of this year and uh, have been really on the go. And that's why I've been so hard to get a hold of. I've been down into Mexico among the Mayans, walking and praying. I felt the Lord was speaking to me to go among the Mayans. And he did. And I began to see how strong and powerful the spirit was of the Mayan religion and how, how bloodthirsty those spirits were that controlled them. There is no glory in their civilization. It is, it is a bloody, it was a bloody slaughter of a religion. 
And uh, it's very sad, very sad. But uh, I walked among that with my youngest son, and uh, then we went over into Honduras and walked and prayed. I did. He wasn't able to join me in that, so I went that alone. And uh, I wanted to walk into the areas that were dangerous. Uh, when I walked, flew, when I went into that city and disembarked from my my transportation and uh, started walking out through the city, I wanted to go out of, out of the city to the most troubled areas and the most dangerous areas. I asked questions and. Uh, they directed me. Well, I came to a police barricade out on the edge of town. They demanded my passport, and I showed it to them. I didn't let go of it. I just showed it to them, held on to it firm. <laughs> I don't let go of my passport very easy, and you don't dare nowadays. And always keep a copy of your passport if you travel foreign, believe me. Man. And uh, keep that passport when you're not uh, showing it at a hotel or wherever. Make copies, and when you go to a hotel, give them a copy. Don't let them take your passport away from you out of your hands. Because nowadays, the American passport contains all of your financial information and everything about you. So uh, identity theft is on the, on the rise. Why? We have put so much information in the chip in our passports, it's unbelievable. And so I, I just speak that to you that are listening. A word to the wise is sufficient, I hope. Remember, that passport, American passport, is worth $10,000 on the black market. So guard it with all diligence. And even one notice I received when I was going down into Malaysia was take your passport and put it in aluminum foil and put it underneath your clothing. Do not put it out where you show it. If somebody demands your passport, give them a copy of it. Carry copies because that passport holds all the information about you. And uh, they have to receive that copy. They have to accept that copy for hotels or whatever because they say they're just going to make a copy of it. Nowadays, Big Brother wants to know everywhere you are and everything you're doing. That, that's common knowledge, and uh, we know that that day was going to arrive, and now it's on us. Don't be alarmed, okay? Don't be alarmed. Don't be don't become uh, so alarmed that you're everything, everything is, con you know, conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. There's a lot of conspiracy, yes, but if you focus on conspiracy, brother, sister, I want to tell you something, you will lose peace so fast. Hold fast to the peace of God. I, I've, I've emphasized this since I was 18 years old, and the first words the Lord said to me, when he said to me, Henry, start walking. I was 18 years old in January 1961. Now I've completed 54 years of prayer walking and believe it or not, 54 nations. So uh, as of January this year, 54-54. Uh, I thought that's interesting. So I'll be on my jubilee. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Brother, I, I rejoice uh, with you. I'm excited to have you on today. If you're just joining <laughs> you're us, with me in that, brother. <laughs> we're live with Henry Groover. I tell you. And uh, I, I went into Honduras, and uh, yes, I went into an area. The police there on the edge of that town said to me, you go beyond here, you will die. They will kill you. Wow. And we take no responsibility for you if you lose your passport or 
they rob you and steal everything. Uh, don't come back crying to us. I said, it's all right. I, I walk among dangerous people many times in my life. I'm not afraid. Well, they said, you should be. And I said, well, I'm not. And uh, uh, you should have seen the look on the one's face when he understood English. I spoke a little Espanol, not a lot. I, I took two years in high school, but uh, I'm not real good at it. But enough that they understood a little bit of what I was saying, the others, too. I kind of mixed my English with my, my Spanish. And uh, I said, well, I'm already dead. You know, my life is hid with God in Christ. So I didn't come here mm. to Honduras to save my life. I already gave my life, so it's too late. And uh, they, <laughs> they don't understand that kind of terminology, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. That's, I live by that. Hallelujah. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 1 says, uh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. People, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't worry day and night about saving your body. Please don't get caught up in that syndrome. Whatever you do, don't get caught up in that. It, I, I tell you, if you do, you will be the loser because you will live in constant fear. But remember what the Lord said to me there in that second Saturday of 1961. He said, Henry, start walking. I will give you peace and I will give you a song. If at any time you lose peace or you can't remember the song you were humming or singing, go back, do an immediate about face and go back until you find that peace and that song again. Never proceed without peace and without a song. And I tell you people, I cannot give to you better understanding and instruction than that. It has lasted for 54 years now. It has worked for me, and it will work for you. But you must work it. You must operate it. You must exercise it. Peace and a song means you're walking in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is. Now you say, well, I believe he is. Well, you've got to remember that Jesus said, don't, don't rejoice over that, because even the devils believe and they tremble. But how do you know if you genuinely believe? How do you know if you're genuinely in faith in every motion of your life? I guarantee you the evidence will be two things. You will have peace, and you will rejoice. Think about that. For the word of God is very clear. Let all them that put their trust in the Lord do what? Don't you tell me that you're putting your trust in the Lord if you're sitting there chewing your nails, worrying about the next thing that's going to happen. You are not putting your trust in the Lord. Bless your heart. I'm telling you the truth. The evidence that you're trusting the Lord is that you re. Joyce, that's why the scripture is so clear in that. Let all them, how much is all? All is part, some, or all? I ask these questions all the time. Rejoice. Then that put their trust in the Lord, rejoice, okay? That's so important, especially in the day we are living in 
right now. If you cannot rejoice, if you cannot have a song, if you cannot rejoice in what you're doing and where you are, you say, well, brother, you don't know the fiery trial I'm in the middle of. Well, don't you think the scriptures knows about it? Do you think that this fiery trial caught the Lord by surprise? No, it didn't. It did not catch him by surprise. Just in the last 24 hours, I have talked to three different people that have called me. One, a massive stroke. And the words were very distorted. But I encouraged that one right over the phone. Put your trust in the Lord. I am trusting the Lord. And that was the way he said it. And I said, now, the evidence of that, rejoice. Let a song come from down deep in your innermost being, not from your brain. Your brain is what was affected by the stroke. I'll speak slower because that poor person couldn't get it if I spoke too fast. And so I slowed my words down and I said, the evidence that you're trusting the Lord is your rejoicing. Let the song come from down deep within your innermost being. And that song and that rejoicing and that joy will be your strength. For the true source of your life comes from your innermost being. That's the beauty. That's why when you're filled with the Spirit, the tongues, the new language comes from down deep within your innermost being. Your brain, oh, your mind does not like it. Your mind does not understand it. Your brain does not want to accept it. It wants to reject it to your brain and many people who have never experienced it and don't want it. It's just a whole lot of jabber. Believe me, it is not jabber. It is the Holy Spirit speaking from the inner area of your body, your being, your innermost being, where all the source of your life through the Lord Jesus Christ comes, not through the mental. If you don't think that's true, then read Romans chapter 8, 7 through 9. It says the carnal mind, the brain, is enmity with God. It has destroyed God. It's what was involved in the fall with Adam and Eve. It started with mental, brain, psychology, whatever you want to call it, reasoning. That's what it started with. The five senses. Looked, heard, smelled, tasted, touched, and tasted. You see what I mean? The five senses. And that's where it all come from. And all five senses register through the brain. But from the innermost being is where the Holy Spirit speaks into our lives. And so I just wanted to start with that because I, I think that we're headed into a time when... If you, if you react, if you react right now in a way that is carnal, in a way that you know the scriptures is contrary to, to what you see going on in this nation, if you react to that in a carnal way, I want to tell you right now, you can wind up in a lawsuit so quick. 
I just reading last night that there are over 700 lawsuits have just been registered in the first few months uh, against individuals who are discriminating against the Supreme Court's decision. They are refusing to accept it and are discriminating against people that have made a choice to marry the same sex. And they are speaking their, their, their own opinion about it. They're speaking even the word of God about it, but they're winding up in court. And you will lose. The Bible is very clear. Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him lest he deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the council and you will not be released till you paid to the uttermost penny. And that's the generation we're in right now. That's exactly where we're in. I want you to think about that. What I talked about, I think the last time I was on with you last year about on the ferry going across from Vancouver, British Columbia to Vancouver Island and the 12 gay young people in front of me and how I was going to counsel them because of their conduct in front of men, women, and children. And the Lord told me not to. And I got up and walked away and went to the cafeteria and sit down there. I had prayed for them. I had remitted their sins. I had done everything I could. And when I was ready to talk to them, the Lord said, don't do it. It will only take two of them, of the 12, to go to the authorities on this ferry and say you discriminated against them. And there are two witnesses against your one, unless you can gather other witnesses quickly before that ferry comes to port, you will lose in court and you will go to jail. And so that's, that was in Canada. Well, now, since then, it's in America, the same thing. Do I condone it? No, in my personal conviction, I do not. It's not what I've chosen. But I have to accept that it is now the law of our land. And therefore, I have to use wisdom in what I do. Now, remember how Paul did on Mars Hill. He got persecuted for it, beat up and, and beaten and uh, persecuted and thrown into prison because he said, men and brethren, I perceive that you are all too superstitious. Looking upon all these altars and these gods, you've left one to the unknown God. May I tell you about him? So you see, that was a very gentle way of saying to them, let me tell you about the true God. He didn't say, I want to tell you that this is the true God. All these other gods are false. He just simply preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you must stick to that today. We are in such a predicament now in our nation that if you don't stick to just Jesus Christ and him crucified, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in serious trouble. And so I, I don't know why I'm having to say all this, but I'll tell you, saints, we are in a period and in a time when it is so necessary, it is so necessary to stay close to the Lord and be certain that you are speaking by the Spirit of the Lord and not according to the law or according to what you believe. You believe what should be. 
if you if you speak the wrong thing today, you will wind up so quickly in jail or in a lawsuit. And uh, that's the generation we're living in. Hallelujah. That's right. In uh, in my visions book, I'd like to make some references to it here. In my visions of the three camps of the Lord, it's one of the first visions in my book. Uh, I, I want to just read a part of this because uh, this is so powerful. I believe this is where we are. I believe we're heading, we're either going into that third camp or we're still back there in the second camp and totally depending on the commanding officer's voices. Now, the second camp, they marched according to their commanding officers, like like boot camp or something like that, and they only did what their commanding officer said, that they could see and hear. Their commanding officer, they could see and hear. But in the third camp, in the third camp, those that went down into that camp joined in, and they marched, and they kept perfect file and perfect order, and they marched only by hearing God's voice and no man. And I think this is very important because it says that when those that came out of were drawn out of the second camp, they had fulfilled their obedience. Then they came and they left that second camp and they went up the hill with a little satchet of belongings, not much, kind of like the Huck Finn stick over their shoulder with a a red handkerchief tied of their personal belongings. And it says here, and when we came to the crest of the hill where I could look down into that valley, I saw more tents nearly arranged in four groups. Together, these four groups of tents formed a large square encampment. The four groups were set up in each of the four corners of this camp, one each toward the north, south, east, and west. The people who were coming into this valley would go down and join with those in one of four grouping of tents. Now, the significance of these four groups, north, south, east, and west, remember, in the book of Revelation, before that seal is opened, where many people are going to die, where I believe nuclear weapons and all manner of destruction is ready to be unleashed on the earth, The angel is told, hold back, don't loose that seal until we have sealed the servants of the Most High God in their foreheads. Now, the beast system has his seal in the forehead of the right hand. And we know all about that, and I don't need to go into that. But let's stick to the spiritual side. Let's stick to the side that our hearts have got to be focused on. We must be ready. We must be in that camp, be ready to go into that camp where we will be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And it's interesting that we're sealed in the forehead, the area where the center of all our thinking comes from is sealed. Now, the reason they seal you in the forehead and the right hand in the beast system it's a mark of the beast, his, his, his number and his name is sealed in your forehead. You will do like a robot what you're told to do when they put that chip in your forehead, I assure you. It will go into the pituitary area 
And you've heard enough about this. Chimpanzees are able to do impossible things now because they've, they've programmed them and they have put that chip in there and they have programmed them to where they will do whatever they're told to do. And they have just like an NC lather or mill, they write up a program and they can reproduce actions and deeds and and chimpanzees doing what Americans or what is what human beings would normally do. You know all about that. So we're we're being uh, rapidly approaching that time and I think that's what this camp is about. But the four corners of the encampment, remember in Revelation, it says call for the four winds of the heavens. Now before the destruction is brought they will, will literally levy such a high toll of casualties in the earth. The angel was told to hold back the four winds of the heavens until we have sealed the servants of the Most High God. When I said on the looking glass fleet at strategic command, I asked them what would be the effect or what would be the kill factor or how many would die if the four winds of the heavens could not blow on the earth, how effective would nuclear weapons be? The weather specialist was amazed at my question, and in essence, I'll just tell you, he said, well, number one, why do you use the four winds of the heavens? And I said, because it's in the Bible. He said, it's in the Bible, and I had to show him where it was in the Bible. It was in the Bible with Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel is called to prophesy to the four winds of the heavens to come and to blow upon this mighty army, to blow upon this mighty army breath into them as they stood, but they had no breath in them. He watched and prophesied. If you don't think prophecy is important, my friend, you had better be careful. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. There's the greatest prosperity of the day that we're living in. If you do not believe the prophet of God and the prophecies that must be verifiable from the word of God, and especially Revelation 19, verse 10, for every prophecy that we're talking about, that it regard, is, is, regards you and I, it must contain this one element. It must have the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. For the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind with all prophecy that's going on. It must be incorporated in the testimony of Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus very clearly said, all of these things will come on the earth. He told that they would, but he said, don't be afraid, for I have overcome the world. So please keep this in mind. So each of the four corners of the encampment, I saw people marching in order. They had on their armor. They were marching to the command of officers. They formed a a beautiful and well-ordered army. Now here, these in the four corners were marching with officers. The officers gave the commands, right face, left face, about face. With each command, the ranks of soldiers instantly complied. It was a beautiful thing to behold. 
because they were marching in such perfect formation with such crisp, crisp precision. They did not break their ranks or get out of step. Now that is in Joel chapter 2. They remained in the four corners of the camp. As I watched them march, I thought, wow, I want to be part of that. Then I noticed something else I had not seen at first. But in the center of this four-square area of diamond-shaped encampment, there was another army marching. There were no tents. However, in this inner area, and I believe the areas had been empty when I had first beheld the valley. In other words, the group of people who marched in that inner sanctum must have come there at some point after the four groups of armies in the four corners began marching. This inner sanctum army was even more beautiful than the armies in the four corners. Their countenance of these soldiers in this army were lit up, and they were beautiful marchers as I watched them. My heart burned with envy. I heard no voice commanding them. I realized that they had no commanding officer. It was as though God had turned down the volume on the voices of those in the four corners so I could hear the silence that was emanating from the inner sanctum army. I said, Lord, they have no commander. How do they know when to go right, left, about face, or go forth? The Lord said, they have learned to know my voice. I quote, and they march only at my bidding. Notice that there are no leaders in that group except those who are in the forefront. Then there may be an about face, and those who have been leading will become followers. When it is right face, the ones at the right will become the leaders. When it is about face again, those who are at the rear will become leaders or at the left. So you see, each one at different times will become leaders. All of these armies were marching. Those out of the four corners would occasionally come into close proximity to the marchers in the inner sanctum. Whenever that happened, a radiance would go out from the army in the middle into the armies in the four corners. It seemed to set them on fire. As this continued to happen, the radiance began to affect some of those in the perimeter armies, and they would break off from their units and join those in the inner sanctum army. As I watched in amazement, and they seemed to blend right in, they did not go back and forth looking for positions in that inner square. There was none of that. Whenever the corner marchers would touch those in the inner square, some of them would simply flow right in. They slipped right into their places so beautifully and effortlessly that there seemed to be no transition. I could not tell when it was about to happen, and I could not tell when it happened. It just happened. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Well, looking back on the vision, I especially recall the glow on the faces of the soldiers in the inner sanctum army. It was clearly visible on their faces, although it was nighttime. However, I know that I could not see this glow emanating from the inner sanctum marches until I had first observed the formation and order of the four outer armies. I realized that all of those in the four marching groups must have come from the second valley. I do not recall seeing any of those who had been playing the children in the first valley ever go over into the second valley. Those in the first valley in the first camp were playing kick the can, king of the hill, and all of these different things. Now, 
the reason I'm telling you this is because I believe it is time. It is time now, people. It is time to long to enter into that sanctum. It is time. Now, how, how have I come to this decision? Have I come to it because I'm listening to all the different prophecies that are going, believe me, I get a whole... Uh, I come home, my end basket is packed full of prophecies and material that people are sending me. And I'm not coming against it, but to me, it confirms the day and the hour we are in. But the most important thing is, I want to give you some indicators here of where we are. I think it's important. Uh, I said prophecy is of utmost importance. I uh, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to some of the visions. This, people are calling me all the time now, and they're asking me. This is a very common question in meetings. I've been from Maine, Portland, all the way up into Belfast, Maine, this spring, all the way to, to Vancouver Island, British Columbia, down into the southwest. I've been down in the southern states, uh, down all the way to Florida, in December and January, and uh, then I've been uh, all crisscrossing America, all the way up into to Washington State and Oregon, and uh, coming across and uh, uh, just, I guess you might say, kind of trying to blow the trumpet and help people to understand. But the most common question they ask me is, Henry, has God given you any more visions about? the troublous times. And I have to say to them, no, I can't say that he has. And they say, well, why? I say, well, I want to tell you something. I ask the Lord the same question. And the Lord tells me the same thing every time. He says, I have given you enough. I gave Daniel so much, I gave Ezekiel so much, Jeremiah and Isaiah, Hosea, Malachi, Zechariah. I gave each one only a portion. And the portion that I have given you is enough if people will just pay attention to it. So in 1978, I want to give to you a portion of a vision that I received at my home in Hillsboro, Oregon, when I lived there. Uh, and uh, I want to give you uh, just a small portion of this, and I'm going to read it right out of my visions book uh, so that uh, you understand. It's it's here, and uh, uh, it's important that we... uh, uh, that we pay attention to what the Lord has already given us, okay? So I'll go all the way back to 1978. This is called the Prince Charles Vision. And, uh, and I, wanna, I want to quote something here in this vision just, uh, just to quickly cover as much as I can, as quickly as I can. Uh, this is where Prince Charles was brought in uh, by the uh, by the helicopter in a 
in a United Nations blue construction uh, office in this 1978 vision. When he stepped out of this construction office that was let down by a double-bladed helicopter, I want to call to your attention something here. The prince was wearing shorts such as British soldiers would wear in Africa or India with a short sleeve shirt and a matching brown-rimmed old-type safari hat to shade his head all the way around. As he came toward us with the butler at his side, I saw that his face was very puffy and red as though he had been crying. And I thought, I wonder why he was crying. He continued in his approach, and when he reached us, we all stood up to show him respect. He nodded to the senator and the general, whom he seemed to know. Then the butler brought him over and introduced him to us. Charles looked at me towards my family, shook my hand, and said, You are the family I've heard about. Thank you for coming. You are here today at my request. I have a message for you. Please be seated. We must proceed. He turned to the general, and the two of them walked upon the stage, and the general took the seat at the back of the platform. Charles then went to the microphone and said these words, I thank you all for coming today. I have a message for you. Please take heed. Now, here's the most important part of this vision to me, of where we are in the United States of America right now. All right? Here's what he said. I quote Prince Charles. I must inform you of your nation is at war and that you have a battle to fight. But the saddest thing is that you must fight it without God. Now, that seemed like such a strange statement when I published this book, and I had many letters and many calls saying to me at that time, wait a minute, Henry, are you saying that America is going to have to fight without God? Now, people, please, think about what's been on the news since I was with Brother Davis last time. Think about this. What has happened on our National Day of Prayer? One of our our commanding officers of our military prayed over his troops. This was in our newspapers. This is nothing hid. Prayed with his troops, and when he finished his prayer, he finished in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The MPs came and arrested him and put him in the brink. He was found guilty of violating the rules and the laws of the United States Armed Forces. We have taken the Bibles away from them. We have taken the name of any God away from them. You cannot mention the name of a God as a chaplain anymore. You have your chaplain service, but you must simply pray in the name of our God, amen. You cannot name your God in the armed forces now. And all the different religions have their chaplains now, and they are all guarding and watching each other. So we no longer are allowed to have God in our ranks. And that is the sad thing. That is very sad. And so when Prince Charles said this, the saddest thing is you must fight it without God. In the vision, the general who was sitting behind him stepped to his step up to his feet, walked off around the platform in front of Charles with his hands on his hips, looked up into Charles's face and said very sarcastically, 
We know we're at war. We know we have a battle to fight, but we didn't know God had anything to do with it. Wow. And with that, Prince Charles brought up his right hand, pointed his finger right between the general's eyes, and with clipped authority retorted, and sir, that is your mistake. And the two of them began to argue whether God had anything to do with it or not. Now think about that. Think about that, people. Where are we in that 1978 vision? Do I need another vision? Do I need a fresh word from God to know where we are? You see what I'm saying? Now I go to the next, the next thought, just to move quickly here because we're, we're going to run out of time other to otherwise. Now I want to show you something else. I want to read to you an article out of, uh, out of Associated Press that I clipped out of the paper, the English paper, in Tokyo. I was surprised to read this in Tokyo, but they, have, they quote Associated Press a lot. Here, here's what it said, reduction in military force. The Army says it will soon notify, fi- notify 550 majors that they must leave the service by next spring as part of a budget-driven down, driven downsizing of the service. Some of those soldiers will get the bad news while they are on the front lines in Afghanistan. The Army was criticized when senior leaders recently told nearly 1,200 captains that they had to leave the service. Forty-eight of them were deployed to Afghanistan. The Army has close to 514,000 soldiers now, but due to budget cuts must be down to 510 by October. Now that was last year, October last year, and down to 490,000 by October 2015. Now you think about that. You think about that. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind with what I'm saying. Remember the Russian invasion vision. Remember the Russian invasion vision. What, when I saw the missiles coming out of the submarines that were so close to our shores, I described that very perfectly, and I saw subs attack America, that vision, and the Russian invasion vision. It's established already, and if you've been listening to the news at all, you know it's already established that Russian subs are literally along our coast, including North Korean submarines. You know that in the Black Sea just a few months ago, a Russian bear bomber came right over our battleships, in the Black Sea, and, uh, and gave a message, have a nice day. And when they came right over our battleships, all the electronics in our battleships, this was in the news, people, all of our Navy ships, all of a sudden, our entire defense electronics went down. Went down, people. Didn't function. And the article said that many, many of the soldiers thinking they were, we were, they were going to be blasted any second were ready to, 
to jump off the ship thinking, we're sitting ducks, we're going to die. They were ready to abandon ship because their electronics were shut down, which means Russia has some kind of a system now where they can just fly over and knock out the telecommunications. We have one that when we explode a device in the atmosphere, the EMF went over, over that region in Desert Storm and knocked out all the electronics. But now they have some kind of a system that can knock out our electronics. So you see, we're sitting ducks. Now think about that. Think about that, people. And remember what I said after this vision was over called the Russian invasion or I saw subs attack America. I was standing on the Eagle Tower of Carnarvon, Northern Wales, interestingly enough, where Prince Charles was coronated as Prince of Wales. Right down below me there is the, is the black slate throne and, uh, and uh, circular stone that the throne is sitting on where the queen coronated him as Prince of Wales. Now, right above it is the tallest tower, which is called the Eagle Tower, it has eight eight sides to it, and eroded eagles looking all directions, north, south, east, and west, and each point in between. Now, I stood there, and I'm crying out after I've seen this, because I have seen the communication system shut down. What kind of towers? It says, all of a sudden, instantly, my attention was drawn to radio towers. You see, I called them radio towers there in 1987. I called them radio towers that seemed to be coming up out of the earth all across the continental United States. I saw the transmissions of the towers going forth as dotted lines into the heavens. It reminded me of the 1950s newsreels portrayed of radio towers sending out their signals across the airwaves. But as quickly as the signal left the towers, the dotted lines turned into sprinkling as dust, falling to the earth. Oh, Lord, I cried out. The warning is not getting through. They won't even know what hit them. What has sprung up since 1987 all across the United States? More radio stations? A few. But the most, and I explained back then the kind of towers, crisscrossing towers, they are cell phone towers. So I bring you up to date on that. They're across the nation and new towers being put up all the time. Now, this kind of EMF will shut them down. It will shut down all electronics and they won't even know what hit them. All right? And so then I see the, the, the missiles coming off of the submarine just off the coast starting with New York City and I watched in disbelief as it exploded turned the city into dust and ash and I saw this happen to the four corners of our nation the most missiles hitting along the California coast and then I cried out as I saw all of this happening after I realized that everything was business was as usual down below the tower the city the British warships out in the uh, out in the bay there. There was no sirens, no alerts. I knew that if there had been missiles hitting America, those British warships would have been notified and would be in full alert. There was no alert. And then after realizing this, I cried out in my spirit, and here's what I said, Oh God, 
If this is not happening right now, right there, December the 14th, 1986, then what will be the sign of its happening and of its time? In response, I heard an audible voice say to me, now this is 1986, people. When Russia opens her doors and lets the masses go, where are we on that? Fulfilled, isn't it? The free world will occupy, occupy itself with transporting, housing, feeding, caring for the masses, and will let down their defenses. What did I just read to you? We've gone from an over a million man army to 440,000 440, by October next, next, this coming October. They will cry peace and safety. So they will let down their defenses. We have closed down so many military bases all across the United States. We have already retired out so many officers and so many people. Then they cry peace and safety, and then sudden destruction will come upon them. That is when it will happen. Now, we know under Clinton that we, we chopped up B-2 bombers, and we, we literally got rid of a tremendous amount of military gear. So we don't need it anymore. That happened under Clinton's administration. Now, I want to read to you something here that took place of the vision I call the vision of the night, the Astoria vision, Astoria, Oregon. In this vision, I was on a, on a uh, uh, river, uh, on a, a merchant ship, from uh, out of the Philippines, the Atlantic Pioneer. And uh, I was talking to the, the captain up on the bridge where the wheel of the ship is, where you guide the ship from. And uh, then I see all of a sudden, I see ships coming in, unloading troops. And they're unloading them, and they're coming up on the docks and everything into Astoria, and they're shooting everybody they see, and they're Chinese troops. And I shouted, look, to the captain. And the captain replied, your nation is under siege. From under the docks came many U.S. World War II vintage warplanes of all kinds. Now remember, I saw this February 1980 came from under the docks, U.S. World War II vintage warplanes of all kinds. As they flew across the area, they fired on the invading forces. A full-fledged war was unfolding before our eyes. Now think about that. And so... Uh, I won't go any further in that part of that. But think about it. We're, we're shutting down our military. We have a lot of air shows. We have a lot of these World War II vintage planes that private citizens have bought up, including Russian Megs. That's right. That have, all of these planes have the old vacuum tube communication system and the mechanical operated by man, not by computer so you see, they will be the only kind of aircraft that operates that does not have to be guided by GPS or electronic hard solid state electronics. Think about that. Think about this, people. 
these these visions that I've had have certainly given to us the confirmation of the day that we are living in. Now think about this, people. I've given to you several different visions. This is the book. If you don't have it, you really probably should try to get it. It's called Visions of a Walker. And uh, it has visions all the way back from 1960 all the way forward to the uh, last one of August 1994, the Siberian Exodus vision. These are visions that God has given me and have visions of, that are very important of the day and the hour signifying the day and the hour that we're living in. Well, I'll give it back to my brother for a minute so Praise he can the have Lord. a station break. I've went over an hour now. I, I realize I've gone an hour and over 10 minutes. So brother Henry. I'll put it back to you, Brother Davis, and uh, take a little break. Praise God. Let me do a sound check. Can you still hear me, Brother Henry? Very well. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, it's an honor to bring to you live right now Minister Henry Groover, the prayer walker. I'll tell you, we are blessed of the Lord to have him here today. If you're coming in late, we're going to have this up in the archives later. Uh, Brother Henry, I have a, a series of questions to ask you. May I um, give you some of these to respond to? Okay. Praise the Lord. And do you need a bathroom break before we continue? Or would you like to continue? No, on? I'm fine. I'm okay. ready to go. I just had a little drink. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, first question. And... Uh, you can uh, respond how you would like, however the Holy Spirit would allow you to answer. Uh, if there's information you can't reveal at this time, we understand. But did God show you uh, particularly any of the uh, the states or the cities that would be targeted? Um, and also, did he show you any areas of safe zones here in America? Yes, he has. The only thing is, he will not let me uh, reveal it. Okay. Uh, the reason he didn't, and I've really sought the Lord about this, and the Lord said, because Moses, when he left Egypt, had a mixed multitude. That's exactly what the scripture in King James translation calls it, a mixed multitude, which means Hebrews told friend, Egyptian friends, to put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts. And if they would do this, they would be saved. And they went out and left Egypt with the children of Israel. And that created a mixed multitude, which caused Moses great heartache and sorrow in their rebellion. And uh, the reason I believe the Lord told me some people are revealing the danger areas. I will not do that. The Lord has told me I cannot do it. And so I know of safe zones and I know of, of danger zones. But the important thing is, back to that first uh, presentation I made, the camp. Remember the camp. You must know the voice of God. You must know his voice. Uh, If you know the voice of God, then he will tell you where to go, where to move, where to be, or to stay where you are and put your trust in him. He will tell you if you're to store up food. He will tell you if you're to prepare water and provisions. If he tells you to do that, 
and you have peace, you do it with all diligence at this time. Okay, that's, okay. A, that's a good answer there. Here's another question. I know some have left the country, and some are even encouraging others to do so, to leave America, but what is your what are you hearing from the Lord? Is God calling for uh, America, American Christians to flee the USA? Uh, is that the general command, uh, or do we have a work here to do uh, until he returns or takes us home first? What's your thoughts on that? You know, it's interesting you'd ask me that at this time, and I appreciate that question because I was up in uh, Kalispell, Montana, and uh, I met a dear brother in my meeting, and he had just come back from, uh, just come back from, uh, oh, Costa Rica? Panama, the Panama. city of Panama. Yes. Where the Panama Canal is. And he felt that God told him two years ago, to flee the nation and take his wife and ten children. He sold out his house and everything, and he moved to Panama. And here he was in, up in Montana. And I said to him, well, what are you doing here in Montana? Are your wife and your children here? He said, yeah, they're here in Kalispell. I said, what are you doing here? He said, we were in prayer one day, seeking the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I didn't tell you to leave the United States. You didn't have it confirmed with your wife. You should have had it confirmed with both of you. Wow. Now, I've, I've never confirmed it with your wife. Ask her, and you get back to Kalispell. You go back to Montana because I have an assignment for you there in difficult times. And so he talked to his wife, and she said, no, I didn't bear witness, but as a submissive wife, I went ahead. And I tell you, he said, we sold out what we had in Panama, and we came back here, and we're staying. We're here for the duration, because we believe we're in the perfect will of God. Amen. Now, the other place in South America I didn't finish mentioning was Belize. Yes. If you remember years ago in Prophecy Club, a man by the name of Tom Van Asperen was teaching people to flee America and go to Belize. So I went down to Belize specifically to check on these people that fled. Yes. And had been fleeing to Belize. I found two kinds of people. I found poverty-stricken families that were living almost literally on bread and water. Yes. I found people that were so oppressed, and if they had the money, they told me they would move back today, would move back to America, because they believed they had missed God. Nothing went well for them in their move. Then I found some Mennonite people who were prospering and doing very well in one city I was in, and... Uh, <laughs> And as a matter of fact, another group of people that had fled who were not doing so well, they called the Mennonites the Moneyites. They were doing very well business-wise. They came right in and began establishing businesses and all, and uh, good, viable businesses, and God blessed that. And so I, I would have to say in answer to that, 
If God has truly told you to move, you better move. But in the move, in the process, if you are struggling, striving, I would say to you, if you're married, there are husband and wife team of you, your wife or your husband has every responsibility before God and every right before Almighty God to hear from God individually as well. And so if God is speaking to you to get out of the country, don't go to your mate and tell them, God told me to get out of the country. Wait on the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to your mate. If you have a family involved, ask God to begin to give your children dreams and begin to reveal it to your children. He can speak to your children so that in the move, you are in complete unity and peace, and God will bless that. Otherwise, to me, you flee from a lion and a bear is going to get you. If you flee and seek to save your life, you will lose your life. Now, there are geographical areas of the United States, absolutely, I believe you need to get out of. You need to get up and get out of it. You need to go and get out of there now. But I also want you to keep in mind that in the scriptures, it's very clear. It's very clear. Take Isaiah chapter 43. I gave this to my brother who had come back from Panama with 10 children. But now, chapter 43, Isaiah, verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created you, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. Now, if you are a child of faith, you are the seed of Abraham. Romans chapters 4, 5, and 6 verify that very clearly, okay? Yes, there is the literal Israel, the biological Israel over there that God is drawing back to the Holy Land. Absolutely. That is the natural. 1 Corinthians 15, 46. First is the natural. After that, the spiritual. So you are the spiritual as the church. You are the seed of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Israel. For I have redeemed you absolutely through Jesus Christ you have been redeemed. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I love that. When you pass through the waters, it will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. I was just in British Columbia in July and I, a family moved from down by below Houston, and they, the Lord told them to move to Anchorage, Alaska, to work with among the people that are human trafficking and rescue these human traffic people. And they got to Portland, they met some people, and some people gave them my schedule there that I was speaking that night up in British Columbia. They didn't even stay and visit the people there, they took off and came up to the meeting, got there at 8.30 in my meeting, and uh, gave me this testimony. Two families, both of them, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to both husband and wife and children, even confirmed that they were to move to Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, God confirmed it to them. They put their properties up for sale. One had just finished his, the dream house that his wife had always dreamt of having, had just finished it, just 
were relaxed in it, and the Lord said to them, Now sell it and move. Wow. And they did so. They sold their houses, both of them, and moved. They got up to Portland, Oregon. They got their checks. They got their money for their houses. They got their checks. And in Portland, the news was on this great flood and 15 inches of rain in an hour down in Texas. It took both of these people's houses off the side of the river. They looked on the news, and both of them saw their houses being washed down the river. That they had sold. They had the money in the bank. The people that bought it was a full loss. You see what I'm saying? I'm sure there was insurance because the people that bought it probably bought it on time, and so the bank would require insurance. But... uh, These Christians, two Christian families, didn't lose a penny. They had their full money in the bank and were headed Mm. for Anchorage, Alaska. They gave me that testimony in that meeting that night. Now look at what it says, the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. It doesn't mean the rivers won't overflow, but it means if you're sensitive to the Lord, then he can tell you to sell out and move. And look at the next one. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. I was just a few miles from the Daiichi Sendai nuclear power plant. When the radiation went so high, and they were saying, we've got to get out of here. The radiation is so high. And I said, hold on. Let's pray. And I began to pray. And I told them to hold up their meeting, their meters. They had three meters. I said, hold up your meters and watch your meters as I walked around these laborers, these workers that were there rescuing people and and bringing supplies to them. The meters were up so high, it it, it would damage your body right away if you spent any time there at all. Mm. And as I walked around repraying, rebuking that radiation and commanding it to go back into the reactors of that Daiichi power plant, all of them saw the meters go all the way down to zero. And they started shouting, and we stayed there ministering to those people. Even though you walk through the fire, radiation is fire, you shall not be burned. If you're in the will of God, you have nothing to fear. Mm. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. That's why in Revelation, he said, hold off till we have sealed the servants of the Most High God. See? Hold back the four winds of the heaven. That's what I said to the nuclear specialist on the looking glass fleet. How effective would a nuclear blast be if the wind could not blow? Well, the, the, the weather specialist said, well, first of all, we have nothing in history where the, the four winds of the heavens have never blown. I said, well, they will. They will be held back. And uh, so I showed him in the scriptures. Well, the nuclear specialist said to me right there on the looking glass fleet, he said, sir, you don't know what you just did for me. I felt my whole sense of, of fear and tension drain right out of me when you said that. That means then, he said, you, you're telling me that Almighty God is in control of the kill factor of nuclear weapons. I said, absolutely. If people are there trusting God, the flames will not kindle upon them. That's what it says right there. 
For I am the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Sebia for thee. Since you were precious in my sight, that's the key. Stay precious in the sight of the Lord. You have been honorable, and I have loved thee. See, you must be honorable, and you must have your love relationship up to date with the Lord. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west, and I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Well, uh, so that's how I would answer that. Um, That nuclear specialist said to me, if the wind could not blow of that nuclear explosion, detonation, the kill factor would be virtually nil. That means nothing. And that's the power of God, brother and sister. That's the power that we believe in. That's why he keeps saying, I am the Lord, your God, the creator. I'm the one that's in control. Put your trust in me. Let all them that put their trust in the Lord rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, if you're just tuning you understand in. understand that. Do you yes. see what I'm saying? We're live right now with Henry Groover. Brother Henry, this is powerful today. Um, Let me ask you another question. When we spoke last, you were headed out to um, Crow Nation land. Have you had an opportunity to prayer walk the First Nations land of the Crow people? Yes, I have. I I just finished that just uh, a week and a half ago with the leaders of the Crow people and uh, teaching them prayer walking, teaching them remitting sins. Uh, We walked and prayed areas of five very recent deaths. Uh, Three of them were mob-type related, uh, back-in-the-head shot assassinations. And two of them were accidents, and then others were the area of uh, tribal wars. And uh, I tell you, there is a real shaking going on among the Crow Nation. And uh, the people are hungry. Uh, They were having the Crow Fair at that time, and I had never seen in all my life so many teepees set up, hundreds of teepees. (laughs) I've I've seen this uh, in my travels across the the, the country, of pickup trucks with the tall stakes going up and all. But, But here, a week and a half ago, I drove through the the tribal area, thousands of uh, people were camped and the teepees were there by the hundreds and I took pictures of them. And they gather as what they call a family reunion every year. And so I had opportunity to minister to many of these people. And then we went out to areas teaching them prayer walking and we had several, several Crow people turn their hearts over to Jesus. Hallelujah. And, Praise the uh, Lord. It was a good experience, and they want me back. They're they're begging me to come back. So, Brother Groover, one of the so, reasons yes, I asked that was a success, and uh, I praise the Lord for it. Thank you for alerting people, and uh, yes, and back up in prayer. We needed it, Brother Groover. As I mentioned to you um, a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, maybe um, over on Pine Ridge 
reservation up in South Dakota, there has been a rash of suicides and among the youth. They're finding them hanging themselves. There's been about 300 youth out of the 30,000 uh, Sioux Indian Nation that live there that have seen what they call the Slim Man, a tall man about the size of a telephone pole with a black hat. And then um, they hang themselves. And there's been 300 deaths or attempted suicides, and it's continuing over there. And um, I've talked to uh, Curtis Horse, who lives on the reservation. He's a minister, young man. He said that the shamans may be opening portals and they've unleashed these spirits, maybe unwittingly. And there's, you know, these attacks on the youth. And then I spoke to another gentleman who God showed him uh, that the Thunderbird has been released. Uh, does that mean anything uh-huh. to you, the term the Thunderbird has been released? And what can we do to fight back this rash of suicide and tie into this uh sounds like a principality spirit that's bringing in suicide it definitely is uh yes it is a principality spirit and uh this is what i i taught their leaders many of their leaders and their their people from the crow nation about this and i did have a representative from that area uh, in that teaching that day who was taking it down there. But this person did uh, report that they have begun doing spiritual warfare and are coming against this, and they are repenting for the sins of their forefathers. They are repenting for the sins and the covenants that have been made in those areas. And uh, in doing so, uh, the suicides have decreased. Now, the next area that uh, suicides are taking place, uh, that particular group, they refuse to admit that, they, that they're in trouble. And uh, pride has taken hold of their hearts, and the suicides are continuing. It all goes back. It all goes back to this thing of repenting, just as I started today. Uh, on the area of the importance of repentance. Uh, One of the greatest times of of visitations of God in the children of Israel was when they cried and they wept under the great rain that was falling. Heavy rains were falling. And uh, they repented uh, for the sins of their forefathers. And they, they dissolved marriages that were not honorable, you know, that had had married with uh, non-believers and all, and uh, so there was a there was a time of great mourning and repentance and weeping that took place, and uh, so we are we're facing uh, a time when it's very necessary to take seriously repentance. Uh, not only for yourself and your family, but for your forefathers, to cry out to the Lord and with all of your heart repent for the, for the abominations and the sins that are being committed. And if you do that, then, then it will begin to turn about uh, this captivity 
And Psalms 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them the dream. Well, what did they do? They, they repented. They cried out and repented for the sins of their forefathers. So, uh, and for their own sins. And this is very important at this time. Okay. I can't emphasize enough on re- the, the importance of repentance. Amen. I have another question for you I'm going to ask you. Now, okay. in past shows, Brother Henry, you have given some, you've elaborated on various parts of what it means to be a prayer walker and how to do it. But if we could summarize, let's say God has said, Brother Henry, I want you to go to a particular location, and he shows you the sins that have been committed, and he wants you to go prayer walk it. What would be... Uh, to summarize, what would be the bullet points uh, of the tasks that you need to complete to complete that assignment of prayer walking? Okay, first of all, again, we go right back to ground base one. Ask the Lord to forgive you of any sins of the past or of the present, known or unknown. Because the scripture is very clear, if, if we hold sin in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. And so we must, we must have our hearts pure before the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We've got to see God in this. We've got to see God in our families. We've got to see God in our, in our communities, in our nation. We're, we're hurting right now. We are hurting terribly right now. Uh, our nation is hurting. We're we're calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil, and uh, it's sad. It's very sad. And uh, so we must repent. We must repent for the sins that are being committed. And uh, so here we are at this time. So now we're preparing to go out to battle. We repent. And now we put on our armor, according to Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And so we put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our loins girt about with truth, our feet shod with the good news of peace, and we take the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. So we have all of these entities. Interestingly, what I talked about earlier on this program If you don't have peace, don't proceed. What are your feet shod with? Your feet are shoed or covered with the good news of peace. And so, again, it verifies the importance of peace. And uh, the helmet of salvation, there we are right back to the simplicity of the gospel, what I started with today. Uh, The simplicity of the gospel is in today's time and and laws and the way things are going, if we don't keep it simple, if we don't keep it simple and we get technical and we get judgmental and we start speaking our peace and our opinion uh, of, of what's going on, even disagreeing with the laws that have been passed by our Supreme Court, then we are putting ourselves in danger, in grave danger. We're putting ourselves in terrible danger uh, of, of judgment. And, and we've got to use wisdom 
in in what we say uh, and how we we conduct ourselves uh, before people of of different thinking of this present generation. I tell you, this generation, and Jesus called it. He called it what it is. It's a wicked and a perverse generation. We don't question that. We don't question for one moment that this generation we're living in is wicked and perverse. But according to the laws that they're passing, they are justifying and condoning wickedness and perversity. And so, therefore, we have to use wisdom in how we deal with this. Uh, if people would understand me, could I, could I tell you what the Lord told me to do? Yes, please. Uh, when the Supreme Court passed the same-sex marriage law? Yes, sir. I hope you people will understand what I'm going to tell you out there. It 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 just amazed me in in what God spoke to me. But here's what He said to me. He said to me, "Well, Henry, in the marriage you're going to marry a man." And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And the Lord said, "I'm a man, and you're my bride." And I said, now, wait a minute, Lord. I don't, I don't know if I accept this or not. I'm, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm testing the spirit. You know what I mean? I'm, all my alarms have gone off, and I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. I, I don't like this. And the Lord said, you see, what, what has happened here is man has gone in, and Satan has been allowed to corrupt the beauty and the truth of the marriage of the Lamb. And he has been allowed to go in and, and corrupt that. And so, in your dealing with, you see two men that are hugging and kissing one another. Don't look at them and condemn them. You must realize that I see the circumstances why they're doing that. I see the whole, the whole picture. You don't. So therefore, you must show mercy. Now, some people are going to say, no, I don't want to hear you anymore, Henry. I don't agree with this. But now listen, hear me out. The Lord says in, in judgment, remember mercy. And you don't know the background. And I could go on and on of people I've led to the Lord that were gay. I've led many to the Lord. And I've, I've interrupted suicides of gay people. We had the man just the other day, yesterday, shooting the newscaster, the girl, and the cameraman, and the media saying that he was gay. Now, how do we handle these things? Well, how did I handle them when I've worked with people like this? I've loved them in the Lord, and I've asked the Lord to forgive them, and I've, I've suffered long with them, and they've wound up coming to the Lord and got set free. And that's my responsibility. And so the Lord said to me, when you see two men hugging and kissing one another, some walk up to them and say, hey, you two love one another. Yeah. Are you married? No, but we're going to get married. Oh, yes, we are. I say, well, you know what? I'm going to marry a man. And could I tell you about him? Could I tell you about this man that I've fallen in love with? And don't give the name Jesus right away. Don't do that. 
just start unloading everything you know about the Lord and your love for him and how wonderful he is and how beautiful he is and how glorious this wedding's going to be. And then ask them, would you like to know his name? You see, you're telling of the beauty and the goodness of the Lord to that person. You're not approaching them from a condemnatory way. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Please understand it. And then, would you like to know his name? See, I don't bring his name out right away in the beginning. And if they say, well, yeah, who is this lucky guy? Well, his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. And he loves me so much. And you know what? He loves you too. He loves you even more than you love each other. And you could just allow the Lord to just use you to minister to them. And they, you see, to the highest court of our nation, you have not condemned anybody. You've not criticized them. You've not bashed on them. You've not laughed at them. You see what I'm saying? You've loved them. Love will cover the multitude of sins. And so, you see, you're not condoning, but you're loving the sinner. You don't love the sin, but you love the sinner. And you've got to maintain that and keep that love. And that's what the Lord showed me. And uh, he told me that. And two days later, I was in a meeting there in Portland, and I was sharing it. And this young man raised his hand in the meeting, and he said, could I come up and say something? And I, I just stopped ministering and said, well, sure. He came up with a necklace with a ring on it, uh, a beautiful royal blue ring and different colors of beads. And he said, this is my profession. I make these, and young people buy them, and they really like them, bracelets and be and, and necklaces. And he said, I was making this one, and he said, Jesus told me to come to your meeting tonight and to give this to you, and that you would understand and that I would understand when I give it to you. I understand now. And so I wear that necklace and that ring around my neck, and I'm waiting for an opportunity to share Jesus with some of these people. So it's become a medium of something of understanding and example to them. And uh, that's how I feel the Lord has told me to handle it. It's not a compromise. It's loving the sinner. It's not because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. See what I mean? So we have to guard our love for the sinner. And that's the greatest example, and that's the greatest challenge that we have in this day that we're living in. So I know some of you may not understand what I've just told you, and I hope that you take it in the right context and understand that in these 54 years, evangelism and the soul of men, women, and children has been the number one priority of my life. And I want to reach them we always used to say, as the scripture says there, snatching them from the fire and despising only the garments that are stained with sin. And so that's that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so, Brother Henry, here we are. That's a powerful mm-hmm. testimony. I agree with you 100%. Well, it was a tough one on me in the beginning until I began to really just wait on the Lord about it, and then I realized, wow, 
That's true. That that is not discriminating. It's not being critical. It's it's loving them to the uttermost, giving them every opportunity to find Jesus. That's uh, that's wisdom right there from the prayer walker Henry Groover. Brother Henry, let me take you back to a scenario. Let's say that God gives you a destination to prayer walk. You've got your peace. You've got your song. You've done. Uh, you prayed. And now you step foot on that property and God shows you, and let's say there was um, a high altar to Satan erected there. There was human sacrifices. Just um, hypothetical here. What would be the okay. What would be the list? One, first, two, the three. The first thing I do when I come into an area like that is I, I just immediately start claiming the power of the blood of Jesus. I just start saying the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And then I say, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of his shed blood, body, mind, and spirit, all of those are the attributes of what Jesus paid for that, that uh, 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 amount of sin, that magnitude of sin or transgression. Uh, I used to just, in the name of Jesus, claim the blood of Jesus for the remission of the sins. And the Lord began to speak to me and say to me, you're not doing it right. And I said, well, what are you saying? And he said, what I'm saying to you is you're not applying the fullness of the payment for the transgression. And I said, Lord, I, I, you're right. I don't get it. I don't understand. And he said, did I only give my blood? And I said, no, you, 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 you suffered in your mind in the garden with such magnitude that you sweat great drops of blood. He said, that was my mind, wasn't it? And I said, well, yeah, that was your mind. Well, he said, do you think people that commit these acts don't suffer in their mind and do you th- and haven't been abused and people that are being subjected to these sufferings are hurting in their mind and i said well yeah absolutely he said all right claim my mind over that area how about the body and i said well their bodies are being abused and mutilated and tortured and put through horrible things. And he said, then, did I suffer in my body? Oh, absolutely. Yes, you did. And he said, then claim my body. So we have his blood for the remission of sins. We have his body for, for the body of those that subjected them to it and were subjected to the abuses and we have the mind of them that is corrupted and the mind of them that were abused and the last thing that Jesus gave up on the cross was what he gave up his spirit he cried with a loud voice and said I I it's finished Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he bowed his head, and he died. And so you have the body, the mind, and the spirit, and the blood of Jesus. 
And uh, when Jesus finished that full sacrifice in Matthew 27, verse 54, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 36, it says, No man can say this but by the Holy Ghost. And no man can say that Jesus is the Son of God. In chapter 16, verse 17, and in John 15 and 26, no one can confess that Jesus is the Son of God except through the Holy Ghost. So you are applying the full payment of the Son of God. And uh, that is nulling and voiding the curse and the covenant. And in that area, I also then, I remit the sins as far back as many generations as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture that took place on this land, opening up this geographical area to this covenant with Satan to come in and set up a stronghold or an operational center. And that's exactly what he's done that allows this tall man there on the tribal reservation to appear. It's amazing. I'm hearing many reports that uh, they're seeing dinosaurs, they're seeing giants of all kinds now. And uh, I I really believe the the... the the seal has been opened, and out of the pit are coming many of these doleful creatures. And when we think about it, uh, the mindset of the people of the world through Hollywood and through the movies has been totally prepared for this. Half animal, half man. And giants and animals, big, giant, grotesque-looking animals coming up. Uh, they've been prepared for this through the movies that are, are being shown all over the world. And so the mind of people have been prepared for, for the manifestation and visual appearing of these giants and demons. And uh, so it's sad. It's sad, but we're living in this is another true sign of this generation. Very true sign of this generation. So you remit the so sins. that's where we are on that, brother. You remit the sins back to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. And then what is the next step after that? As many generations as needs be. Okay. To the very first. And what? then when you remit that, then you release the goodness of God that mm. leads to repentance. See, you're not praying for dead people. This is not a shaman thing of praying for the dead and burning incense for the dead and all this. Don't get into that. Uh, sin remains. In Proverbs it says, one sinner destroys much good. Sin remains in the earth or mankind or generation. That's why the iniquity of the fathers is visited to the children, to the third and fourth generation. And it adds, and forever of them that hate me. And so these wickednesses are literally transferred from generation to generation, and they carry over in the earth when innocent blood pours into the ground. That's why in Deuteronomy... Uh, chapter 21, when a, a, a body is found and you don't know who did it, uh, then you have to have uh, 
you have to have a blood sacrifice take place. And that's where they bring the heifer that has not been rowed or, or plowed, has not brought forth into this area, and cut its neck and bleed it there. For there had to be a blood sacrifice. And then the priests, in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 21, say, The priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near. And you and I, if we are a royal priesthood, according to First Peter, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should give forth sacrifices to him continually. So we are a priesthood. And it says, And the priests in the Old Testament there shall come near, for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. To me, that speaks it so clearly what First Peter 2, verse 5, and chapter 17, verse 8 speak in this, this as well, of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, verse 8, uh, talking about blood. And uh, uh, in verse 8 and 9, If therefore you arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, bring matters of controversy within your gates, then shall you arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord your God shall choose, and you shall come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judges that shall be in those days and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. So again, First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 takes place. So, uh, it's very important how we handle these things. And once you do that, you have presented these petitions before the high court of heaven. And you have then asked the Father to receive this atonement. That's what atonement means, to be take of two and make them one. And then after you do that, then you declare over that land declare righteousness, joy, and peace, and I like to sing over the land after I do that. I sing a chorus like, hallelujah, hallelujah, and I sing that according to Isaiah that says, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing, and the trees shall clap their hands. Well, in the New Testament, we're called trees of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And so after I apply these payments for the transgressions, I then declare the righteousness, joy, and peace, and proclaim it in song, and rejoice over the land, and speak a blessing on creation, and call for that which is good, and peaceable, and gentle, and pure seconds. to come upon the land. That's what I did over the Crow Nation over those areas where innocent blood poured into the ground. There were places I prayed where blood was still a whole puddle there. They hadn't even washed it up. Wow. Of the assassins and of the, of the different accidents and battles that were fought. And so we, we then declare peace over the land, righteousness, joy, and peace in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 60 seconds. Brother Henry, okay. disregard that announcement there. Uh, question for you. Let me go back one step to where you said you released the goodness. Uh, articulate that uh -huh. for me uh, so we have an example to follow. What would be the actual 
words you might use to release the goodness as part of that prayer? I proclaim loudly sometimes over it, and and (laughs) it's amazing you can't always do that right in the heart of a city or something, so... I asked the Lord to send along something like a helicopter coming over or a whole bunch of motorcycles. Harley-Davidson's are wonderful that way. Yes. And they come roaring by, and when they're roaring by, I can loudly proclaim, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare and I proclaim the curse. I speak new life over this land, over this people, over the animals, over the creatures in the water and in the air, and over every living plant that is good. I speak new life and blessing over them, and I say to you, come forth, earth, and bud, and bring forth abundantly. Curse be removed, and blessing come. And new life come, fruitfulness come, good thing. I've spoken it over land, over waterways, and fish appear in the waters. Uh, they're catching so many tuna and so many fish now out, out from Okinawa that the price of tuna has gone so far down that even poor people can go up and buy a big tuna. Uh, they're catching so many just right out from the port. Whereas before they had to go out a half a day's journey to get out there to catch any tuna. Amazing. And things like <laughs> this are going on where we break these covenants with death and destruction and the curse. And uh, we declare new life over the land and over the people. Praise the Lord. living thing. Hallelujah. Brother Henry, from this, uh, from this moment on, what is next on the list for you? Where are you going next? Well, next Monday I head out, and I'll be flying over, and I will be spending time in Taiwan, Singapore, Malaysia, and Japan, and possibly part of Korea. Pray for Korea. South Korea, the young man of North Korea is threatening South Korea. They're in talks right now, and we're really praying because, remember, in my I I saw a Russian uh, invasion of America. On that presentation, I made a statement. It will begin with a war in the Middle East, and it will draw our troops over halfway around the world to the Middle East. Then it will spread into South Korea, and then Taiwan, and then China and Russia will raise up. So that's where we are in that scenario uh, now the leader of, of North Korea is, is, is saber-rattling. He's threatening South Korea. He's threatening America. And uh, so I'm going into Asia. We'll be there until like three, two days or three days before Thanksgiving. I'll be back. Okay. And I'll be working Asia. Next question. So I covet your prayers. We're about, we've got about 10 minutes left. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, it seems like the door is opening up to Cuba. Has God shown you anything about Cuba? Could this be an opportunity to get in there and do ministry, like with the Berlin Wall going down? I believe it's a golden opportunity, yes. I believe Christians ought to go in there and and just love on the people. They've been under such a heavy arm of oppression so long, and uh, go in there and love them. You people in Florida, you're just 90 miles away. You have a tremendous harvest there. Fantastic. Uh, here's another question. Uh, you've been working for many years on the Prayer Walker's Diary, and uh, as yet you have not 
released it. Have you considered maybe releasing <laughs> it in segments, what you've got so far, put it up? Oh, bless your heart. I haven't done it yet. I've been away and been gone so much. Uh, I haven't been able to write and, and edit and work on my testimonies any more than is what is written. How many uh, and, pages uh, do you think you have completed so far in the diary? How many pages? Oh, probably 200 pages. Holy cow. <laughs> do, you, do you need any help with that? <laughs> Bless your heart. You always say that to me, and I, I'm embarrassed to hear it because I feel like maybe a, I, I've been a poor steward over this. But, uh, you know, the original reason I wrote it was mainly for my, my children to be able to have something that dad and grandpa and great-grandpa have uh has have experienced you know and uh i i guess the reason i was hesitant about releasing that many pages is because it just takes so much uh so much to carry these books around i realized they could just simply be made available and people would uh, or even put on computer and people could make a donation and read them on computer uh, probably Absolutely. should do something like that, Brother Davis, but I haven't Absolutely. yet. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me encourage you in this area. You know, perhaps what you do, you pray, and if God releases you to do it, maybe you release part one of the diary, okay? And maybe you can turn it into, um, you know, an e-book that A people series, could... huh? Yeah. This will be part one. Yeah, I probably should do that. And uh, as you uh, get more time, then you could come out with a part should, two. Uh, put that out there on computer where people could read it. Uh, it's there. It's done. Uh, it could be written. It could be put on computer where people could read it. Um, Absolutely. There's an you, awfully lot of testimony there. You could even release it as what's called a Kindle book, you know, for a donation. People could access it. And, uh, and then when you get time and get caught up, then you can work on the next phase. So just an encouragement there. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you personally is, do you still have your tape recorder, the little mini one? I still have it, and I, I've got to get it out and start using it and send it to you full. <laughs> I want to I wanted to remind you so you can write yourself a note. Please take it with you to the Orient, and um, as you have the ability to do so, try to record some of the uh, the speaking engagements over there, because this is a literal gold mine. And uh, I know people would love to be there in person, but this is the next best thing that at least they can listen to the MP3. Yeah, this is very true. Very true. I have a, I have a whole chest of drawer full of two-hour microcassettes that I recorded in the early years of walking Europe. Really? I used to carry those with me, that little micro recorder with me, and I would record it. <laughs> and would send it back to my family. Every week I would send a two-hour report back to my family. Amazing. And uh, there's a whole bunch of those, a whole slew of those. And there's well, a lot of recorded material that I, I haven't done anything with. Let me say this to you. We have the technology. Maybe someday somebody will pick it up and do something with it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, we've got the technology to convert some of that. So if you feel released to mail me a couple... I'll convert them and send you the originals back with an MP3. <laughs> well, <laughs> when you it, 
it's an idea to do, and I guess I should yes. do it. Amen. Uh, Absolutely. We'll I guess help I'd you. I'd have to send them to you registered mail so I don't lose them because they're my originals, you know. We would take good but, care of uh, them and, um, and, and help you out. So one final question. You have a son who um, was a missionary, I believe, in Africa. Yes, he's come home. They've had a, a, a daughter. Yes. Given me my uh, granddaughter in 14 years. I haven't had a granddaughter. And uh, he's he's taken on employment, and he's working now. And uh, he's had some wonderful experiences, and I've talked to him about giving you a call, and I've given him your number. What's his first and name? And he said to me, Dad, I, I just... I don't feel it's time in my life for me to go public. I don't have all the stuff that you have. I said, son, you have a wealth of experiences that are so beautiful and so glorious that would help young people. And he says, well, I'm not, I'm not ready to go public yet. I'm not ready to go out there public. I don't know what it is with him, but I can't talk him into it. I've tried. Well, you know <laughs> I'm what? Sorry, I thought for sure he would give you a call. I gave him your number and all, and you gave it a shot. He hasn't done it. <laughs> you know, prayer changes things. We're going to pray, and at the right time, he'll come on and do a program. Brother Henry, I wanted to tell you, uh, it was such an honor to have you on today. I love and appreciate you, as the people do out there tuning in. How can a person support your ministry? Well, I guess by just simply, they can get on PayPal, they can check us in on uh, on the computer, and there is a click that you can do to make an offering through PayPal, and you'll get a receipt for it to know that it got through and, and that it's a, it's a valid receipt. Uh, otherwise, just send a, a check or money order, don't send cash in the mail, but check or money order to post office box 144. Woodbine, W-O-D-B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, or I-A-51579. And make it to Joyful Sound Ministries. That's the name of our our ministry, Joyful Sound Ministries, and they'll send you a receipt back in the mail. And uh, uh, go under our computer website. We do have a new website now. And I guess it looks pretty good. I'm not a computer man. I haven't taken time to learn it, but people are saying it's pretty good. You can go up on it. And they say it's a lot easier to operate than our old one. And uh, my wife is getting ready, I think, to uh, begin putting in some Bible studies that she has and into the website where you can even click in to study with her. Brother Groover? So... um Sister Groover's first name is what? Is Judith. Okay. Feminine of Judah, Judith. I would like <laughs> you to extend an invitation to Sister Judith and tell her okay. that if the Lord releases her, we would love to have her on Omega Man Radio to, to bring the word okay. to do a Bible study. I'll tell her that. And you know what? That'll bless her. I think that would really bless her. We would we would be honored to have. She knows I'm going on the radio, but Amen. I don't think she's ever been invited. This would be a first for her. Well, this is a pretty comfortable I atmosphere, that, right, Brother Davis? That a good Welshman to a Welsh lady. She's, Amen. She's, her her maiden name is very Welsh. So, Lloyd. <laughs> tell give Sister Judith my phone number and have her pray about it and call me. And if she would like to do it, 
we can set it up just like you do on the phone and um it'll be very laid back you know you have a comfortable time when you come on this program right Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very comfortable. No pressure. Amen. I Same. like coming on with you because it isn't all the hype and <laughs> and all that. You know, some radio programs I go on, they break in about every 30 seconds and do an advert or something, and then I have to start all over again, and maybe I get something said, a few things said in an hour. <laughs> no worries here. We're... But bless your heart, you just turned me loose, brother. I appreciate Amen. that. We're here to hear you speak, brother, and... Um... This is probably the one of the most important broadcasts we've ever done on the network. Each time they get better and better. Brother Henry, uh, one final question, then I'll, we'll close in prayer. And that is, uh, do you have any plans to ever release the full story of your encounter with one of the highest-ranking witches in England and how you led him to Christ? Well, I wrote up 25 pages of that, and I presented them to a man that would like to make a movie of it to counteract uh, counteract uh, the uh, uh, what's that movie that's so popular? Uh, Harry Potter. Oh, the Harry Potter. And uh, I gave him those 25 pages, and. Uh, he really likes them, and he's busy with two other movies right now, but he said he hasn't taken it off the list. So, yes, there is an interest in that. And uh, I, I wrote it as vividly and clear as I could with as much emotion and everything in it that I felt at the time of what I experienced. And Because uh, so, he wanted me to write it like a script almost, you know. And uh, so I've talked to him for about eight hours so far total. And uh, so the Lord knows if it's going to be made a movie or not. He's a good Christian film producer. And so we'll see. Well, I, I trust that they will turn that into a movie. But if they decide not to, I would hope that you would release that as a book at some point in time so we could hear the full story. Okay, yeah, that would be good. Uh, pray for... Pray for uh, the people out there. Pray for, uh, in July, I, I, I got to go in and spend an hour and 20 minutes with one of the highest Buddhist priests of Japan. Wow. Uh, he, it took us over two hours to get in to see him. And uh, the Lord told me that we would get to see him. And so we just held in there. I told him I was a Christian right up front, and I've been 54 years walking and praying the earth. And I said, and you, to be in the position you're in as very high priest, you must be a good man, and you must have things that you could share with me, and I have things I could share with you as a Christian. And I would like to very much to see you. Well, I had to go through the third lower one, and then the second, and finally he came out, and I went in and had, uh, we had a meeting with him, my interpreter and I, and uh, it was a precious meeting. He asked me many questions, and I didn't draw back whatsoever sharing about what Jesus has done in my life, and then he asked me if I'd like a tour of the big temple, enormous Buddhist temple. And uh, I said, I'd love it. And uh, we walked through there, and I got to put my feet way back in the holy places where only priests go. And uh, he he had the temple cleared out, and we went in walking there and praying it, silently praying, but praying over it. 
And uh, then he asked me, after it was all over, after we toured it, he said, would you bless me? And I said, I would love to. And I said, may I lay hands on your head? And he said, yes. And I laid both hands upon his head as the Lord led me. I had been remitting his sins and releasing the goodness of God. And uh, his eyes teared up, and uh, he said to me, he said, come back and see me again. So pray for him. This is a very powerful man in Japan in the Buddhist movement. And uh, so this just happened in July this year. So that's another chapter in my life. And uh, we, we went out of, the, out of the temple grounds, out of the gates, and we stopped in a curious shop outside there, a little restaurant, and it was loaded with all the Buddhist and, you know, ornaments and everything. And the man owner of that shop come out to talk to us, and he said, how did you get in to see this man? He said, I have had this shop here for 40 years, blessing him in the temple, and I have never seen him or had audience with him. How did you get in? And I said, well, first of all, I'm a Christian. And I, I just told him I believed, told the people I believed I had an appointment with him. And I had plenty of time to wait. I know he's a busy man. And I was patient, and finally he came. Is that all you did? I said, that's all I had to do, yes. <laughs> he was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt really honored that the Lord had opened the door for me to get in with him. Brother, and I'll so tell we're you. praying for him now. And... Uh, Yes. Um, I'm hoping to go back down to Yame, Japan, and see the 37th generation Buddhist priest. He teaches wow. in universities all over the world. Oxford, Harvard, Yale, he teaches Zen Buddhism. And he leads the Dalai Lama around Japan when he comes. Amazing. And I have led him in the sinner's prayer, and he has had many visitations of Jesus. So... There are tremendous shakings going on as we walk and pray these temples in Japan, and good things are taking place, wonderful things. I'm excited about the fruit of Japan. Brother, and I'm excited for these reports. So there we have it. And um, we would love to have you back on when you come back in country. You'll be back, you think, what, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas time? Oh, after Thanksgiving, sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'll have to give you a call, or you give me a call, okay? Fantastic. Brother Henry, would you like to close in prayer tonight? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the liberty we have in Jesus. We thank you for the, as we sing the song, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a precious friend, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to take everything to you in prayer. Oh, Father, 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 thank you so much. Just bless this program now, Lord, as it's gone out across the air. If there's any listening, Almighty God, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, all they have to do is call upon your name. You said in your word, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're there today and you don't know him and you've never been saved, you've never given your heart to Jesus, call upon the name of the Lord right now and you will be saved. Call upon him and you will be saved. For he is faithful who had promised 
and just tell him you're a sinner, tell him you've done wrong. You know it, you've tried to correct it, and you just can't seem to quit. You need him. You do need him. You need to start with a clean slate. You need to start with your sins forgiven. Every sin of the past right up to this very moment, this very second. If you just ask him to forgive you, he will do it. Say, I believe that the blood of Jesus can wash away all my sins and make me pure and spotless and clean. And he will honor that and ask him then to come in and be the king in residence, to be the savior in your heart. And he will honor that and you will begin a whole new life in Jesus. Father, I just pray for anyone in the and indecisive right now that's struggling. Just help them to just call upon your name and seek your face, and I know that they will be saved. I thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father. Now bless my brother Davis and his family and all of them that are listening today. Be with them. Watch over them. And thank you for them. Thank you, thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brother Henry, let me, let me pray for you before we go. Thank Praise you. the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for Brother Henry, Sister Judith, their family, the ministry. Lord, I thank you for everyone that is tuned in today. In the name of Jesus, Father God, give Brother Henry unparalleled access to places that have been closed off before. And, Lord, give him divine yeah. contacts and connections on this trip. I ask, God, that if it be your will, you'd even open up a door that he could go into North Korea at some point in time and minister. I ask, God, yes, that you Lord. would give him access to the underground churches. And, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. Loose your angels in Jesus' name to protect him yeah, and his family wow. on this trip. We break any curse, any backlash, retaliation, revenge spirits off of you in the name of Jesus. God bless his health, yes. bless their finances, God. Amen. Give them Thank new divine Lord. connections in the mighty you. name Thank of Jesus. You. Lord God, loose your holy angels to create favor around the world for new places yes. to prayer walk and to meet and share the gospel. We ask this tonight in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I just speak to you, Brother Henry and Sister Judith. Be healed of any infirmity in the name of Jesus. Speak to your body, be restored and made whole in the name of Jesus. God, protect the family yes, with a wall of fire from Zechariah 2 and 5. And we ask this tonight, Lord, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My brother. Thank you, Brother Davis. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. And the Lord just bless you and uh, be with you and all your listeners and uh only the good Lord knows what will be happening by the time I get back in uh, in December. We will Until send you... Then, thank you for everything. Thank you for making the time available today. I will send you a copy. Uh, don't forget, take your tape recorder and let Sister Judith know that if any time she would like to teach on this program, it would be an honor to have her as a guest. All right. I'm going to tell her that. <laughs> Give her my thank cell you, phone brother. number. Love you, my friend. We'll okay, talk to you. We'll um, talk to you again. Again. Thank you, sir. Thank you again. God, God bless, you. bless you all. Good night. Bye-bye. Praise the Lord. I want to thank uh, Brother Henry Groover for coming on today. This is a highlight for me every year that we can have him on. 
And uh, it's a real um, rare occasion that we're able to do these programs because of the amount of time that he spends on the road. He's going back again in about a week or so uh, to the Orient. As you heard him uh, mention tonight, he'll be there for several months. He could be gone five, six months out of the year. And then when he gets back, uh, it's not rest for him. He'll go right back on the road, and wherever um, people would have him to come out and speak, he'll go out there and preach and give testimony. So we get him on typically about once a year, twice if you know if that's possible. But I'm going to be diligent to uh, contact him when he gets back in in a couple months, get him back on. You can help me in this area. If you have enjoyed the program today with Henry Groover, couple things you can do. Go to henrygroover.com, G-R-U-V-E-R.com. While you're there, you can uh, support his ministry as a PayPal there. You can write to him and uh, send them an email. Let them know you heard Henry right here on Omega Man Radio, that you uh, enjoyed the broadcast and you would like to see him come back on. And uh, also, um, encourage them to release some of the Prayer Walkers Handbook. Uh, it's been in the works for many years, and um, you know what? I would like to see him uh, publish what he's got so far. You know what? That's 200 pages to get started on reading. Amen? So I uh, asked him, please release the Prayer Walker's Handbook in a PDF, uh, ebook, Kindle, whatever. You know, uh, the more people we've got asking, we might receive. Amen? And... Um, what else is going on? Well, we're going to be back tonight. We've got Carla Butad coming back on for day two of her broadcast. She comes on twice a month, back-to-back. So if you missed last night's program, we'll have it up in the archives a little later. She'll be back tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. And um, let's see what else we have here. Okay, that's 7 to 9. Let me look at the schedule. Then we've got Bill French, Deliverance Minister from California, beyond tonight. Open lines, mass deliverance. And then we've got... Minister King Rand Ritchie at 10. So great stuff coming up tonight. All these programs are free, and you can uh, check them out over in the archives of SoundCloud, iTunes, Blog Talk, and YouTube. Uh, please keep us in prayer if you'd like to support the ministry. You can do so over to MegamanRadio.com. I love and appreciate you, and I'm looking at the clock. I have enough time to take a shower. <laughs> or I'll be back in this cap again. My hair would be kind of sticking up, you know. Well, praise God. Wow. I'm blown away. That is probably the best, I mean, program we've ever done. Just loaded with jewels, gold to mine. You got updates today on prophecies. Okay. 2015 update on many of the visions that he's received over the over the years. You got your bullet point list today of what a prayer walker needs to do. And it's amazing. Yeah, I've got to sit and take all this in. It's just powerful broadcast. Well, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for making these programs possible. And uh, we'll be back tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, every night, Monday through Friday. You can tune into the program, 7 p.m. to about 1 a.m. Eastern. That's 4 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. Right here on MixLR, Blog Talk, and now our new YouTube channel. And um, we'll get more guests warming up to the idea of going on camera. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> Just turn that camera on. But where we can't, we'll put a static photo up there. And um, 
We'll have some fun with that channel. Make sure, if you go to YouTube, subscribe. It's free. Tell a friend about it. Now, we do run commercials over there, so it's not commercial-free. Um, that channel is monetized, meaning there is ads. And and so YouTube has a, a pretty good program over there called AdSense. So we're hoping to generate a little bit of revenue with that to help support this ministry. But if you want the full uncut audio, then you can download it right from SoundCloud or iTunes or Blog Talk, commercial-free. But, you know, something for everybody. Just another way to attract new people and uh, and take it to the next level. Uh, I talked to Rick Bell, who is my official editor for the upcoming Mega Man publication. And we decided yesterday that rather than wait to get enough content to release a magazine, we're going to start out with a newsletter. It'll be a couple pages. And then from there, build it. So that's uh, getting ready to be launched. And then... Um, as God opens that door, I'm hoping to go mobile sometime next year. We'll continue to do the programs, of course, every night. But what I mean to say is um, start hitting some of the conferences. We'd like to uh, start a conference of our own, if that be God's will. Invite the various speakers that come in on the program out to speak, do some mass deliverance, get the vomit buckets out, <laughs> network with people, fellowship, you know, have some afterglow. Uh, so pray about that with me. God's will be done. Right now, though, uh, we're focusing on what we've got to work with, and uh, radio, and now YouTube, and um, just waiting on God. Pray with me that he'll direct my path. Uh, God has told me to put some roots down, but he hasn't told me where. So I feel transition's coming, and I've been here now two years in Vegas, so I've got to decide prayerfully. This is, you know, i got to find out, is this where God wants me to be? If so, I'm going to, um, I've been a roommate now for two years. I'm going to move out, get my own place, and then set a studio up there. And probably um, put my tent pegs down for a while. Or he may be ready to uproot me again. It wouldn't be the first time. Either way, thank God for our mobile solution. We can do these programs anywhere in the world as long as I've got an internet connection. Uh, my studio is portable. God gave us um, a design with the help of some individuals to put this thing together where you can literally do this show. We can run Blog Talk, run MixLR. We can run um, YouTube even with uh, one computer. And um, I don't need an external mixing board. Used to have to have all that hardware you should have seen. It was like uh, worms everywhere, like spaghetti wires. Very complicated. And that was not portable. So when I had to go to Costa Rica, couldn't take that with me. But we have a, a solution now because of technology. It's all virtual. And uh, it's only going to get better. I just got to make sure that I have a good internet connection. And then I can do this program, you know, anywhere, any state, any country, wherever. Time zones don't bother me. I just synchronize to the guest. You know, if I have to do a show at 2 a.m. in the morning, I'll do it. But praise God, that is finally a reality. And that was uh, something that we needed to fix, and God gave wisdom on that. I'm still trying to troubleshoot some other uh, areas, and I know God has the answer for those too. Bottom line, though, is uh, I praise God for this opportunity for you tuning in. Thank you for your support, and uh, may the Lord richly bless each and every one of you. If you want to contact me, you can do so at uh, Facebook, Mega Man Radio, or email omegamanradio at yahoo.com. May the Lord again richly bless each one of you, and I will see you folks tonight, 7 p.m. God bless. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land.
Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you.